Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here, covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a ton of basketball to get to. It was a great week for Wisconsin basketball. Uh, two big wins, uh, of course, at Indiana and back at home against Michigan. Uh, a great uh, retirement in, in Jersey and honoring of Michael Finley as well, and then an unfortunate incident at the end of that Michigan game. But we're going to try and not let that overshadow what was a really good week of Wisconsin basketball. This team really uh, bounced back after a, a tough loss against Rutgers to have a really strong week. So we'll get into all things. Um, of course, since we haven't had a podcast since last Monday, we're going to be reaching back to covering that, recapping that Indiana game, the Michigan game, and everything in between. And then at the end of the show, we've got a little bit of football news to talk about on the uh, Wisconsin football coaching staff. Looking like it's got another piece finalized. It should be a fun and full episode for you guys. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. Yeah, no, yesterday was absolutely a wild ride, um, given everything that was going on. But uh, I'm I'm excited. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it was a a crazy game. I mean, it really, like I said, it, it, unfortunately, the incident at the end really overshadowed what was a great day and um, for Wisconsin basketball. But it's still a nice win, and I think this team is really playing well and, and really was getting some things going. So we'll talk about all of that uh, Michigan game. But we can start with that Indiana game before we do that. Um, Indiana game, I was personally – I was out of the country, so I didn't see a ton of it. I caught the end a little bit. It seemed like, you know, you look back to that Rutgers game, the real big thing at, was at the end of the game, Wisconsin kind of struggled to close the game out. And from that Indiana game – it appears like they kind of righted their wrongs, was knocking down every shot late and, and really found a way to put it away late on the road and continues their dominance over the Indiana Hoosiers. So what were your kind of takeaways? Because I know you got to see the, the entirety of the game and, and kind of the big takeaways to, to try and pull from it. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought there was a lot of different things that went right for the Badgers. I thought they played a lot better. Um, tough road environment against a really tough team. I thought, I mean, you see, you saw Jackson Davis go ahead and get his with 30 points eight rebounds, as well as Ray Thompson at times. I thought he, he did some nice things inside for Indiana, but really Wisconsin's backcourt um, was phenomenal. They they really kind of pulled the, the Badgers away. Johnny Davis did his, his normal thing where he, he just kind of took over and was a huge spark for the team. Um, Brad Davis and I thought played a lot better uh, in, in shooting, shooting three from eight from, from three after really coming into that game cold as ice. Um, got to the free throw line a bunch. Really, the whole team got to the free throw line a bunch against Indiana. Um, 22 of 29, 75, 76% from, from the charity stripe after that Rutgers game where they, they struggled at the free throw line. They struggled closing out the game. Um, th- that going on an 8 0 run over the past minute 40s and, and locking up on Indiana late where Trace Jackson Davis couldn't get going um, after really dominating most of the game. I, I just, it was really a, a great game for the Badgers. Their backcourt um, continue to be impressed by both Chucky Hepburn, Stephen Crowell, um, and, and just their development as the season's gone on. I think those two really 
have come on as the season has has uh, progressed, and and credit to the coaching staff for that. But but really, it was the backcourt. Johnny Davis it was just electric, and and that was the difference. Indiana um, had that game, and and and, and just. Wisconsin did enough to to go ahead and and beat a a good team on the road and and I think that's once again a hallmark of a good team. They didn't shoot the ball from three great, but they didn't need to because they they played good defense, especially in the second half, and and they did what they needed to do to pull out the win. Yeah, that's what it seems like. It seemed like overall, and, and just kind of not being able to see the whole game, it seemed like a game that Wisconsin really righted a lot of their wrongs from that last Rutgers game, which, as you mentioned, is a testament of a really good basketball team. You're continuing to see that this team, despite there's there's nights and there's times where they don't have their A stuff, but they've got their B stuff, and they find a way to win um, those games. Now, Brad Davison, he's kind of had a rough stretch these last few games, has really bounced back, and it was a nice bounce back for him in that Indiana game as well. Johnny Davis, while he had he had a little lapse, a little less production over the last couple of weeks. He's, he really came back strong and just showed, you know, he, he's getting used to, you know, now being a, the focal point of being game plan and everyone kind of focusing everything on him. I think that pressure kind of got to him a little bit over the you know previous couple of weeks. But now he really seems to be a guy that is, is bouncing back well and, and seems hungry. I mean, this, <laughs> you, you saw it after the Indiana game. I was able to you know, see some highlights and see him wave into the crowd. He just seems like he's got – um, another gear clicked back in and is ready to go. And I think those road environments, the the big games like that, really seem to to fuel him. So it was nice to see both him and Davison uh, kind of find their their footing again. And hopefully that continues to to roll that way because we saw it um, against Indiana. They both played well against Michigan, and now hopefully you can kind of keep that backcourt rolling because you're only going to go as far as those two will will likely take you. You've got some great production from Crowell and and Hepburn off of those two, but those two have got to be your, your big guys carrying the load for this team. And, and when they do it, they're, they're a really tough basketball game or basketball team uh, to beat, and, and you're seeing that and saw that over the course of last week. Yeah, and that Indiana game was a game to forget for Tyler Wall. Um, he struggled four points, four turnovers, um, and, and just really couldn't do much um, offensively against the length of of uh, Indiana, he, he he got into foul trouble as well. Him and Vogt finished the game with four fouls, but but really, I had the the story was how they finished the game. They righted many of the wrongs that that really doomed them against Rutgers, and I thought that that was that was a, a display of really good coaching. Um, Greg Gard made some nice adjustments to help this team um, bounce back, and they and they did, and uh, I think it really kind of helped them propel them into the Michigan game as well, which I, I know we're going to be talking about next. Oh, yeah, there's plenty to get to in that Michigan game. So we'll, I mean, let's just transition over to that because that Indiana game, while it was a good game, a nice bounce back, I think we hit on, on most of that game um, overall. Just a nice win for the Badgers on the road, continuing, again, their dominance over the Indiana Hoosiers has just been incredible over the past few years. And, and really a nice bounce back for the game, righted a lot of wrongs, but I think a lot of the attention and listening ears are eager to hear about us talk about this uh, this Michigan contest, which overall, once again, I mean, a, a great performance for Wisconsin. A little, I won't say sh- a little rusty, shaky in the first half, but a really strong second half. And it's unfortunate that this incident at the end gets overshadowed what was a great day uh, for Wisconsin basketball. You had the retirement from Michael Finley, which we can talk about. You had a, a great game itself, but the post game, everything kind of draws that attention, and, and understandably so. It was quite the, quite the crazy incident. So I guess 
to get things started with this Michigan contest, where do you want to start? Because I think there's so many separate things we could talk about uh, with this game. Well, let's start with Finley, and then we can talk about the the first 39 minutes of the game, <laughs> and then that'll segue us into the last minute and the uh, whole circus that ensued. But really, I mean, as somebody who grew up watching the Badgers in the early 90s playing college basketball, to see Michael Finley finally get his time was, was a, a beautiful thing. Like, he is – one of the players that you think of when you think of Wisconsin basketball, just based off of what he did for the program. I know Greg Gard said that he made playing for Wisconsin cool again. Like it was not cool to play for Wisconsin before Michael Finley, Rashard Griffith, and and and, and such kind of made it that way. Him and, and Webster, they they kind of shifted with the expectations in Madison. They shifted what people thought of Madison and, and Wisconsin basketball and, and really kind of put them on the map after a kind of, you know, a rough sequence of years. So looking at that and, and just his electric ability um, and now just going on and, and, and doing wonderful things, not only in the NBA as a player, but now in the front office with the Mavericks. Um, I just, I thought it was a really cool ceremony, not only, to, to be it, but as somebody who's watched the Badgers for a long time, to to see kind of the glow on his face that it was, you know, he said it finally that it's been a long time coming that he expected this to happen before, but but it was it was a very cool event and, and well deserved, and um, it was nice to see a bunch of other people from around the program back to you know Devin Harris, uh, Rashad Griffith, who I mean he's always around, but it was it was fun to see a lot of people back in Madison for that um, event and and really. Looking at it, that the picture afterwards with him and Johnny Davis and everybody, and and him in post game or in the in the pregame, not being able to talk about Johnny Davis when asked about him because he said I can't talk about players who might end up in the NBA draft because um, he's an executive uh, w- was funny to see, but it was it was a very cool event and um, it, it was a uh, long overdue, but it was a, a very fitting way for them to do it and I thought that it was a taste tastefully done by UW it's just unfortunate that it, it happened with everything else um going on with the game yeah I mean as you mentioned it couldn't have happened to a more deserving you know kind of face of Wisconsin basketball a guy that represents the program so well you know Ben had a very strong NBA career and now you know post playing career still doing great things in the in the NBA so a guy that really exudes what Wisconsin basketball is all about and, and like you mentioned it's it's probably something that should have done or should have been done before but it's great to see that they got done um and really gave him his time and and like I said just a very deserving guy well spoken just represents Wisconsin in a really great way so it was fun to be able to watch that uh, on TV he looked he looked just so happy to be a part of of the entire thing. I thought he looked pretty sharp. That red that red jacket looked really good. But it was just cool a cool moment in Wisconsin basketball history to see a guy like that finally get recognized um, for for what he brought to UW because he was a little bit before my time. I think by the time I was I was younger, he would have been in the NBA probably like 94, 95. Um, so he was out of Wisconsin before I was even born. But just going back, you know. Hearing my parents talk about the the way he played and, and Michael Finley this, Michael Finley that, I remember one of my first jerseys was a Michael Finley Dallas Mavericks jersey, which is quite the throwback. But just an exciting uh, a time for Wisconsin basketball, and it's always fun to see them do that. And I think it helps really build the crowd. You can feel the energy in the Cole Center after that, uh, which is huge because right now you're you're 
there's been times where the Cole Center doesn't always have it, but it seems like those Michigan games especially, when you look back to the buzzer beater a few years ago, it's it just creates an electric environment and, and couldn't be to a more deserving uh, and great representative of UW basketball. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I, it was fitting that they had it on the same day that they played Michigan, given the fact that um, he played against Jawan Howard, who was head coach of Michigan, if you don't know that by now. Um, and, uh, and he also played with him as a teammate with the Mavericks for multiple years. So um, it was kind of cool. I know Jawan Howard came out at halftime and watched that for, for part of it. Um, but, but really, going to the game itself, like I said, those first 39 minutes, it was a really good basketball game, especially the first half, very back and forth, um, both both teams uh, playing well. Wisconsin never um, trailed in the game. Uh, they, they were tied for about seven minutes, but beyond that, they, they were just they were really, or I guess they did trail briefly, but for the most part, they, they had this game um, kind of sewn up beyond that early start um, where they kind of started off slow and Michigan came out the gates hot. Same thing in the second half. Beyond that, Wisconsin kind of got in a rhythm and especially in the second half put it together one of their best halves of basketball. I was really impressed by what they did. Um, you, you saw all starters in, in double figures uh, and, and shooting well. Like this three-point-wise – First half, they didn't shoot great, but they shot really well and they were choosy in the second half, which I love to see um, something that Michigan State struggled with was shooting the three. But uh, Johnny Davis turned on the afterburners when he needed to in the second half. You saw uh, – I really thought uh, Stephen Crowell, Chucky Hepburn, once again, I'm going to continue to um, pile on praise for those two because they hit some key buckets um, when Wisconsin needed them. Um, I, I think back to Johnny Davis being on the bench for about two minutes stretch and Chucky Hepburn went on – and scored seven straight points. Um, then uh, Stephen Crowell hit the big three in the early part of the second half to kind of swing momentum after Michigan had, had grabbed, uh, you know, a, a ton of momentum to early early on. But I really just think Wisconsin put together that second half was really impressive. And I know Greg Gard talks about it a lot. Like, this was a huge win for them and a big uh, performance by the team. And he was really proud of them. And, and you know, we're going to get to the – the aftermath, but but Wisconsin shooting 50%, they locked down on defense, slowed down Hunter Dickinson to only six points in the second half. Um, it's just it was a great performance. It was a big game, and the Badgers needed it, and they they got it done. They certainly did get it done, and it, it was. I mean, you look at it. I mean, we talk, even go back to the Indiana game. Johnny Davis is once again just playing the way Johnny Davis has played all season. There's that's the reason why he's a candidate for Player of the Year nationally is because he is just a special player that can turn it on when his team needs him most. And we saw that really in the second half, he just took it to another level and, and really said, you know what, this is a tight game. I'm going to be the guy that I've been all season long and just put together an incredible performance. Uh, but the other guys, as you mentioned, Crowell, Hepburn, uh, that, that that stretch that you mentioned with uh, with Chucky Hepburn with that seven points, I agree with you totally. A huge point in that game where you, you know that when Johnny Davis leaves the floor, leaves the floor, you've got guys that can really step up and, and put some things together for you, and that's what they need from this team. And, and those guys have done it all year long. It's not like this is a new development. As you mentioned, this is kind of a thing that we've been hitting on for the last few episodes is that these these two younger guys deserve a ton of credit. They're not going to be – most nights they're not going to be your leading scorer. They're not going to be the guy that you're going to play through throughout the course of a game. But when you need a, a clutch bucket, both of those two have been there, and they deserve a lot of praise because – They've, they've stepped up and matured a lot over the course of the season. And that's not saying that they were playing poorly 
at the beginning of the season. I think both of those two came out of the gates ready to play at the collegiate level, and you're seeing them just continually get better. But I think the progression of both of those guys have, have been really fun to watch, and, and it gives you just a couple more options with this team because Johnny Davis is going to get the attention. That's going to leave these guys open for opportunities, and, and I think both of them are, are really take advantage of it, and I think they deserve uh, a ton of credit and, and talk. Johnny Davis is going to be the main point of the conversation always, and rightfully so. But uh, the guys around him have, have really stepped up and, and, and played some great basketball when they've been called upon. Yeah, and I thought a big part of it was they didn't settle for jumpers. Like, you saw in that Rutgers game, they settled at times. There was just, like, they took the easy way out sometimes with, with contested jumpers. You didn't see that as much. And I thought that was a big point. Wisconsin outscored um, Michigan State in points in the paint by 10. Uh, they also outscored them in bench points. I mean, Jacoby Neath. Uh, and, and Chris Vogt, huge minutes off the bench. Um, they played a, a combined 24 minutes, 10 points, um, just really giving them a huge lift. In, in the first half, Crowell was overmatched at times by Hunter Dickinson, which, I mean, Hunter Dickinson's one of the better big men in, in, in the conference, but Vogt really went to battle. Beyond that um, attempted dunk that failed, um, I thought that he really played under control, gave them some huge minutes. But, but really, I, I just think that this was a collective effort defensively in the second half that really swung things in their favor and their ability to go inside and, and and let Johnny Davis also cook at the same time and go on his patented run where he just he looks around and he's like hey nobody can guard me that that was that's that's the recipe and this team as long as they can continue to play good defense they can beat anybody it's it comes down to when they're playing defense when they they allow other teams to kind of um, turnstile through them, they're in trouble because while they can score, that's not their bread and butter. They are a team that's built on good defense and then going inside and, and slashing to the bucket. So I, I thought this was a huge win for the Badgers, and it was fun to see Crowell kind of bounce back and, and use that time where he was yanked to, to give Vogue minutes. To, when he came back, he, he locked up on Dickinson and went most of the rest of the way against him and played phenomenally well. So I, I just think it was a great game, and it's it's a bummer that it's overshadowed by what we're going to be talk, talking about next. Yeah, it, it certainly is a bummer because, yeah, as you mentioned, this team played really well. It was an, it was an awesome environment, awesome atmosphere before the game, um, and, and a lot of guys did a lot of great things on the basketball court, and, and Certainly wouldn't be getting as much national attention, but if that incident didn't happen, but it's still this team deserves a lot of credit for the way they played uh, over the course of the I know Greg Gard kind of opened that way with his presser just saying, you know what, I don't want to let this overshadow what it, what his team did over that last 20 minutes because I think you look at that second half and the way they played, that was probably up there as one of their best halves of the entire season. You know, this team really came out strong and said, you know what, this has been a tight contest back and forth. Let's assert our dominance. Let's flex our muscle a little bit here and, and pull away. So kudos to this team. They could have, I mean, you look at that Rutgers game, an ugly performance. They could have folded and let that kind of slumber, let that build up in them. And then all of a sudden, if they didn't put together a good performance, they let it you know, build up to two, three games. They didn't do that. They put together two really solid wins, and they deserve a ton of credit for bouncing back after that loss. And it's unfortunate that this incident at the end kind of overshadows everything but we'll, we'll try not to let it too much but we got to talk about it it's it was a weird situation I don't know I, I mean you were there at the game so what did it kind of look like from your perspective because I was on TV you could kind of make it out to start and then it started just scrolling Twitter um, to try and see what what the hell happened in that in that uh, confrontation but 
from someone that was in the stands, what was it kind of like um, from that perspective? Yeah, so I was in the middle of tweeting out the final score, like just standard practice for um, B5Q, and then all of a sudden I looked up, just luckily, um, and so, as they were going through handshake line, which I normally don't do, I'm usually grinding and trying to get everything out as fast as possible, and um, that's when you, you saw visibly upset um, um, Jawan Howard, like you could tell from – from my section in whatever, 208 with the media, you could see that he was visibly upset from there. Um, it looked like he was going to walk off the court at first, and then he got back in line with, with the team to, to quote-unquote shake hands, which is where it was supposed to be going. And, and then him and guard, um, you, you could see that he pointed at guard, pointed at his face, and, and you know, tell him he's going to remember that. Um, a little more colorful language than that. But uh, guard then – at that point, it seems, and this is what Guard said, that he, he tried to tell him that um, – talk to him about why he made the decision that he did. And and from there, it escalated because I don't think Howard wanted to hear it at that moment. Guard wanted to have that conversation. And um, it, it doesn't justify anything that, that went on from there. Like, people be, – punches being thrown, everything – everybody involved, the decisions – that were made um, at from there were, were just stupid. Um, like Howard had no reason to be doing that. Like I, I get somebody touched you. Like get over yourself at, at this <laughs> point. Like you're a grown man. You are leading a bunch of other individuals. Uh, I felt really bad in in post game for the Michigan players. Brooks and Dickinson had to sit there and kind of, and talk first before Howard um, spoke. And in you know it was. They didn't do the no comment, but they they did a couple no comments and then really just said some people thought that the that the the late game decisions kind of stalled the game, speaking you know towards the timeout. But I mean, Michigan was pressing like Michigan was pressing with 15 seconds left. Greg Garb had his reserves in. Um, he was going to clearly get a backcourt violation because the the reserves we're not going to be able to get it over. They had four seconds to get it across the, the timeline. And from there, guard called a timeout. It, just like it's it's uh, Juwan Howard's right to, to, to keep a press out there. I know he didn't call it a press. He said he was just playing um, five full or whatever. But but let's be honest. They they trapped. It was a press. And, and the ball went out of bounds. They would have had only four seconds to get it, get it across. Guard called a timeout when the ref told him, hey, if you take a timeout, you get 10 full 10 seconds. He did so. Juwan Howard was pissed, um, and, and and that's kind of what led to um, kind of the blow-up and um, the slap. I, I think there was people wrong on both sides. I, I, I know that I, I, I think the Big Ten's already gone ahead and said that, you know, action's going to be taken. It's going to come out here in the next – probably the next couple minutes – um, in broadcasting form, it'll happen once we're done. But um, really, you look at this, and nobody needed to take a swing at anybody. Like, like that's like no matter what happened in the you know ten minutes leading up to that, Juwan Howard should have never you know swung a hand, a fist, whatever you want to call it. It's a punch, a slap, um, a grab at Joe Krabenhoff, and Wisconsin's coaching staff also was is at fault in, in some of this as well. So. I just think it was one where it, it was escalated very quickly and people didn't handle themselves well, namely John Howard. Yeah, it's certainly an incident. You know, you 
I don't agree with getting upset over that. I, I think that if you're going to be pressing in that situation, Greg Gard has every right to, you know, he's a guy that, and he talked about it, I believe, in the in the post game presser. He's going to do as most college. I mean, college basketball coaches are going to do what's best for their players for the full 40 minutes, even if it's you know Johnny Davis out there or the third string guys who are working to break a press. If he knows, you know, hey, I can get six seconds six seconds left to to help these guys get the ball over the court. I'm going to do that. There's no fault to that, and and there's no fault to Juwan Howard pressing down 15 and and having his guys you know in, in full court that way. Both are well within their right that, and I don't necessarily understand the ups, getting upset over that. I think that's just kind of how the game of basketball goes. You have your right to coach your team the way you want to, and certainly there's gamesmanship and, and sportsmanship and part of that, but I don't think either side was really you know, violating any sportsmanship code or anything like that. So certainly, yeah, you could ruffle some feathers and, and get upset, and maybe you, you know, I know we've had Juwan Howard incidents in the past uh, with Mark Turgeon at Maryland, but certainly you could see a reason where you could justify getting up worked up and, and maybe just angry words, stuff like that. But to escalate it to the fact of, of throwing punches and punching slap, whatever you want to call it, is is just absurd. I mean, you, like you said, you're a you're a head coach of of you know an institution, a, a group of young men that are trying to you know, work their way to an NBA career. You're a guy that is clearly well respected within the Michigan program and and guys and players look up to that. So to have that as the example that you're setting is is really in poor taste and unfortunate because I know, as you mentioned, I know the Michigan players maybe didn't necessarily agree with it, didn't know what was you know the situation, but it just escalated to a point that it really didn't need to. I mean, we shouldn't have seen you know guys throwing you know, slaps and, and punches after that and all that skirmish. You know, I can understand. You know, sometimes players you look at it, players get a hot head after the game. It's competition that way. But coaches are supposed to set examples that their players can follow and, and clean that type of stuff up, not the other way around. I mean, you had players from Michigan and Wisconsin, you know, holding back both respective coaches that way. And so it's it's just an unfortunate incident. It's a black eye for, for college basketball as a whole. And, and I'm going to be interested to see what the punishment is. Because I, I don't think there's any way that you're going to see punishment on one side and not the other. There's going to be some. Um, but Juwan Howard is, is clearly the guy that I think – is is the major fault of this situation, and a lot of it could have been avoided if it wasn't for his antics. So we'll see uh, just what breaks there, but really just uh, a black eye to what was a really good uh, week of, of basketball for, for Wisconsin, and, and unfortunately that kind of overshadows it. But that's just the – when an incident like that happens, that's going to be the main and, and big storyline in a lot of ways. Yeah, like as much as it might have been misguided for, for – um, Greg Gard to want to have that conversation in the line. Like, that doesn't mean, hey, let's lose our temper. Let's push other people. Let's take swings at assistant coaches and and, and ignite a brawl. Like, we saw Jacoby Neath, he's going to get suspended. Like, there's no way Jacoby Neath doesn't get suspended. He he clocked um, a Michigan player. Terrence Williams, um, Musa Diabate, they're going to get suspended for Michigan, I would assume, here too. Um, I, I think – Chris Vogt was in the mix as well. I think multiple Wisconsin um, staff members kind of just focusing on the Badgers here and what, how this could impact them. You had you had uh, um, Krabenhoff who was in there. Not it's hard to know what was exactly said. You couldn't get that on the uh, 
on any of the video, and he's facing the opposite direction as well um, in what was said to um, maybe warrant the slap. No, that way I think there's nothing that should have resulted in that. Um, and Shreve Chambliss, man, he, he, he was in there too, and, and we'll see if, if anything comes about them. The Jim Snyder, the the strength coach um, with the suck it, was um, maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen um, just because he just really hit that hard. Um, but that's also, like, childish from adults in this situation who are trying to de-escalate it. Um, you saw some players for Wisconsin, Tyler Wall, Carter Gilmore. You saw, you saw Rashard Griffith coming out of the stands to help. Um, and, and get players away from it. So um, cooler held heads definitely did not prevail in that. Um, but but I, I think really the onus and the fault really lies with, with Jawan Howard. And I, based off of looking at how the Big Ten's approached this so far in their statement, you, it points directly at uh, him. Like you can – they said that um, his name was the only one that they specifically brought up in it. Um I thought that he did not directly bring up the situation and talk about it. Um, when when he was asked, like, his his thought process behind it was flawed. Um, I, I think Greg Gard, like I said, could have handled it differently. Um, but really, gamesmanship in this where both teams are just trying to do what's in the best interest of their team should not result in, in people flipping out and, and starting a fight. It was – childish and and I think that it was just a bad look for everybody involved and and we'll see who's available come Wednesday when the Badgers take on Minnesota and when Michigan takes on Rutgers because I do think there's going to be fallout do you think that's like what do you think games wise is like a fair punishment for Jawan Howard because I do think that that's where the the crux of the issue is here um, yeah. throughout it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting I mean I think I don't know just to, I thought I was reading somewhere yesterday that the Big Ten has a policy in place where it can they only suspend them two games and then Michigan has to do more than that. I could see it. I could see it being a lengthy suspension or, you know, I don't know if it's the rest of regular season, all sorts of, it could go, I wouldn't be surprised at any real number on the Michigan side. I mean, it could be, I think it has to be severe enough that, I mean, this stuff cannot happen in college basketball, so it has to be a serious punishment. I don't think, you know, I know there's people saying he's going to get fired. Or he's going to, I don't think it's going to get to that unless you're unless you're from Michigan's perspective and you see this as a way to maybe get out from, I mean, they've got a great recruiting class. They're underperforming. I don't think that's the case where they want to move on from Jerron Howard or anything like that. But that's the only way I could see it getting to that point. Um, but I think it's going to be a lengthy suspension on the Michigan side. Where it comes from the Wisconsin side, I think I'm going to be, I mean, obviously we're at Wisconsin podcast. We're going to be more interested in that. But to see how the Big Ten kind of viewed the situation and, and what they dole out for, you know, there was Badger players involved. If Greg Gard gets anything, Joe Kravenhoff, I, I hope poor Kravenhoff doesn't get, you know, a, a ton. He, he was really just the guy that got clocked out of nowhere, so we'll see. But I think uh, on the Michigan side, uh, a, lengthy, a lengthy conversation, a lengthy suspension is likely, but I really wouldn't be surprised at, at any sort of number at this point. I'd be more so disappointed if it was a – a smaller suspension. I mean, it was just a couple games, you know, a slap on the wrist. I think it would be a really bad look uh, for the Big Ten. So I think they've got to take this pretty seriously and, and slap down a, a pretty hefty number. Yeah, I would think anywhere between three and five would make sense, five being the rest of the regular season. Um, it, it's, it's just a bad look. You add in the fact that this isn't the first time that he's had incidents mm-hmm. similar to it, like you mentioned with Mark Turgeon. 
Um, it, it's it's just not a great op, great optics for the conference. They're going to hit that. You, 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 they're, the administration for Michigan was, was upset as well based off of the statements that they put out. I know the beat writers for Michigan that were behind me in press, press row were, were pissed that they didn't hear any sort of apo- uh, apology at all, um, not, ne- not to them, but for, for the actions in general. So I, I think this can go a lot of ways. I do, do expect that there's going to be punishments on each side, specifically anybody who threw a punch. It, mm-hmm. it, there's no way you're not getting suspended, and that would be at least three people for Michigan, at least one for Wisconsin. And, and then the the rest of the coaching staff, it, it's going to be interesting to watch as well for the Badgers just because, like you mentioned, Chambliss, Krabenhoff, both involved, Snyder, Suckett. Um, I, I think just I wouldn't be shocked any which way, but I do think that – it was a nice touch by Wisconsin, and I know Michigan didn't have that um, capability because it, it was the road game, but for McIntosh to come in and diffuse some of it and, and talk through and have Greg Gard's back, have his coaching staff's back, was, I, I think, a really uh, nice touch by um, UW. I mean, man, talk about uh, a tough way to walk into to some of this based off of everything that's happened uh, across Wisconsin football and basketball here recently, uh, his his first year of of action yeah. has been been a fun one, but um, <laughs> I, I thought that he handled that well, and I, I just we'll see what the Big Ten actually comes out for. But but now if for Wisconsin, you've got back to back road games against against tough teams that you could easily lose to. Um, I think Minnesota's a game you need to win. Um, it's on the road in Minneapolis, border rival. But is there a letdown capability after that, just a huge emotional release after that game um, and everything that went with it? Um, possibly. Um, I, I don't think so. But at the same time, Minnesota, I think, is actually really well coached and um, is is a team that you got to just at very least be worried about here. And Rutgers already beat you once and, and on your home court. So um, that's, that's going to be a tough-as-hell game. So... There's a lot of ways that this could go, and I think that this is just one of those games that you look, you're going to look back on, and people are going to remember. Like this is this is one that's going to hold, fans are going to hold on to, teams are going to hold on to, coaches are going to hold on to for multiple years. This isn't something that's just going to be oh, their suspensions handed out and nothing happens again because these two teams could very well play in the Big Ten tournament here in, in a week or two, and and. Who the hell knows what that'll look like? Oh, boy, that would be something if those two met up. I think that was one of my immediate thoughts was, was man, what if these two meet at uh, the Big Ten tournament? That would certainly be interesting. But, yeah, it's going to be something to, to monitor. Uh, I know, as we said in the podcast, it's the announcement of the suspensions and, and what it's going to be in terms of numbers are supposed to be coming out soon. They might maybe try to find a, a window to sneak it in without as much national attention. But certainly when we find out uh, the number, that'll likely be a, there'll be a follow-up conversation on our next podcast. Just kind of Wisconsin's going to have some players and, and coaches that are probably going to get some sort of suspension. So we'll talk about any sort of impact that we see. But uh, just an unfortunate incident. I mean, uh, again, a great week of Wisconsin basketball overshadowed by a tough you know, last minute uh, of a game is, is disappointing. But overall, the Wisconsin Badgers picked up two good wins, and hopefully they can, you know, it's going to be a little rocky here after this suspension comes down for whoever, but hopefully they can uh, you know, not let it faster too much and get ready for a, like you, like you said, a, a big game against Minnesota and then another uh, tough contest against Rutgers, a team that's already uh, knocked you off once. For sure. And, and Wisconsin's got to bounce back quick because it's, it's going to be tough. 
But but really, it it all comes down to Juwan Howard acted immature. He he did not hold up his end of the bargain as a head basketball coach. I you can you can bring up that hey Greg Gard could have handled it differently, sure, but it doesn't should not ever result in hands being thrown on anybody based off of just a, a simple wanting to have a conversation. And um, I, I just think that everybody lost their composure um, once once uh, Howard threw that punch and all over uh, a flipping timeout and, and a press. Like, simple things that if that happens in the first half, end of the first half, nobody's talking about it. So why should it matter at the end of the game when, when the game's in doubt? Both coaches – um, should have been able to move on from that pretty easily. And, and real, like I said, I think that goes down to Howard. And you, I'm telling you, like, in watching Hunter Dickinson and Eli Brooks, they're, they're good. they said their stuff that they would, you know, they, they are there for their brothers. But it was Hunter Dickinson holding back his head coach at times. And it was after the game. And that, as well as Eli Brooks, like, guys holding each other back, um, that's not a good look when your players are the ones who are having to be the adults in the room, and that's just not how it should be. Absolutely should not be. An unfortunate incident for all involved in that uh, late-game skirmish. All right, that wraps up the basketball talk. Before we get out of here, we've got a couple of news stories to hit on on the football side of things, uh, starting with the in- inside linebackers coach, and then we actually got uh, some breaking news during the podcast involving uh, Colin Larsh. So we'll go ahead and talk about those both quickly before we get you out of here. Uh, Bill Sheridan expected to be named the inside linebackers coach for Wisconsin football. Of course, Bob Bostead moved over to the offensive line, so you're looking at a replacement for him. Kind of follows the recent trends of, of the Wisconsin football stuff. Sheridan, of course, was most recently the defensive line coach for Air Force, but has spent some time at the NFL and is going to be stepping in and, and taking a room that is going to need some serious leadership at the inside linebacker room. You look at Jack Sanborn, Leo Chanel, Departing, you, you thought maybe Bobby April would take over everything, but now it's going to be the task of, of Sheridan coming in and, and really making sure that this group is ready to go because they've got a lot of production to replace. So what do you make of, of that at least expected hire of Bill Sheridan? Yeah, I know that uh, Rivals, is, um, Badger Blitz has put that out. Um, but you look at it, I mean, he's got a gaudy resume and dating back to the early 80s. So, I mean, he knows his ball. He's, he's done it for a, a, a long time. Time. Um, and you know his he's he's got a a kid who is a um, offensive coordinator at, at Indiana. Um, so like and and uh, his other son is the defensive coordinator um, at the college level too. So there's there's a lot of bloodlines there. He he knows the Big Ten after being with Michigan, Michigan State um, at multiple stops, and you know he's he's has defensive coordinator experience. So I would think that this is a guy that. Um, Jim Leonard can lean on at times and, and, you know, kind of take something off his plate, but um, definitely an older guy. Like I I think that's one of the more interesting things is he's 63 years old. um, And, and that's, that's something a little bit different. He'll have ties to Michigan for recruiting, which now that you've got multiple staff members with ties to that area, maybe they make that a bigger presence. But um, I do think that a lot of jumping in, in his career, especially lately, um, isn't necessarily always a great sign, um, but but at the same time he he's he knows this stuff, and I, I think he's a guy that brings a, a ton of experience and um, will will be a good fit with what Wisconsin does based off of everything that at least that he has 
on the table. I, I think you look at it, he's coached at linebackers, defensive line, um, safeties, special teams there at one point for <laughs> Notre Dame. So we'll see what that means. But um, just having anybody who's been a defensive coordinator and knows that role um, is going to be helpful for this staff just because you want guys with, with a good mix of young staff and older staff. And, and I think that uh, he'll bring that. So we'll see exactly how it'll work out. But I do think that it seems on the surface a really good hire. And um, I, I, I thought it was going to be one of the younger guys that they've had in their locker room for a little bit here, um, trying to help them out. But I, I, I do think that this is a, a great hire and somebody that brings a, a wealth of experience that the team could use. Yeah, I mean, a guy that's been a, a football lifer, a guy that's just been – uh, coaching for, for forever, really, and when you look at it. So that's going to bring a lot of valuable experience to a group that, you know, that inside linebacker room, we, we've talked about it in our depth chart kind of conversation. It's it's an inexperienced group. They're going to need someone that can come in and really try to help them move move into being ready to play Division One college football. There's a lot of talent in that room, but we haven't seen uh, a ton in terms of production. There's plenty to be excited about, but you're going to want a guy that can come in and get a lot out of them. So, Hopefully uh, Bill Sheridan's a guy that can, can do that, and we'll certainly keep an eye on it as we move into this. And, and of course, the shakeup there is also that puts you with, with that hiring. It likely looks like you know Wisconsin would be over the amount of assistant coaches, one number higher than what they're allotted. So there's certainly going to be further changes to go along with that. So something to keep an eye on as the staff starts to get finalized. It's been a crazy offseason in terms of coaching changes. Um, there's been a lot of moving pieces, but it seems like Wisconsin is at least getting closer to nailing down things with spring football really not that far away. It's going to come up on it quickly, and you want to have all these pieces uh, settled and ready to go for an important spring. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like this, You've got about a month until mm-hmm. spring football, so you you got to get things kind of figured out here soon. Um, I'm guessing you'll hear announcements for the recruiting department, um, announcements about kind of staff shif- shifting here um, soon, but but man, I, I do think that it's on the on the surface. It seems like a really good hire, um, and uh, I, I'm excited to see kind of what he brings for the Badgers based off of his NFL experience. And Paul Chris continues to to bring in guys who who bring NFL experience, which I, I think stems from what he's seen from a guy like Jim Leonard who who had a bunch of NFL experience coming back and and, and maybe rounding out that defense. Everybody on that defense has has either played in the NFL for for coaching wise, has either played in the NFL or uh, or a coach there or both. So I think that's a kind of a fun wrinkle to what we're seeing under uh, Paul Christ here recently. All right, our last piece of news here is Colin Larsh. Originally expected to be, or announced that he was going to be back for his uh, his final year with Wisconsin, has now announced that he is going to be pursuing the NFL and signing with a uh, sports agent that way. So he officially is not going to be a Badger this upcoming year. I know part of that maybe stems from uh, the transfer portal and, and a kicker coming in in that situation, but it sounds like Colin Larsh is going to be departing UW and moving on to try and make it at the next level. So kind of a surprise. We know, of course, you know, a few weeks ago he announced he'd be back, but what do you make of, of that storyline and how does that kind of affect the special teams room? Yeah. I mean, it, it makes more sense now with Vito Calvaruso coming in. Like, I think that that was a move that they brought him in and then, and you kind of wondered like, okay, is he really going to come in and just be a kickoff guy mm-hmm. for a year and kind of wait uh, his turn, especially considering that um, Lars had already kind of said that he was coming back 
prior to um, Calvaruso coming in, but then he also participated in the the senior day and with graduation and, and some of those things. So you, it made you kind of wonder. Um, so I, I guess a little more transparency now. And I think the the Vito Calvaruso era starts up. I would imagine. I think he he would be the the top contender. Um, I'm sure that the, they're going to give everybody a fair sh- shake, but I, I, it's got to be him. Um, um, oh. Big news, uh, <laughs> Michigan suspending Juwan Howard for the rest of the regular season. I know we kind of talked about that. Um, uh, it, it's inter- interesting that it says Michigan. Um, Dan Wenzel, um, who's um, Yahoo Sports, it, he was the one who kind of broke this, um, going ahead and saying that uh, that they're suspending him for the rest of the regular season, which is uh, I, I think it's – it speaks volumes to what they're getting out ahead of this maybe a little bit, knowing that, hey, it's it's going to be coming from the Big Ten. Yeah, certainly uh, interesting storyline there. Not, like you said, as we kind of said, we wouldn't be surprised by any number. I think that uh, seems to be uh, a fair spot, and then he would, of course, be back with the, uh, the Wolverines come postseason time, the Big Ten tournament, and into the NCAA tournament if they were to uh, make that certainly a team that Right now, not looking like they're going to be there, but uh, you you never know. Maybe they can make a run in that Big Ten tournament with him back. But we'll see how the, the rest of that shakes out. It uh, appears that they're probably coming down here soon. But to go back to the Kyle Marsh um, incident, or incident, he did nothing wrong. Um, Kyle, Kyle Marsh has been throwing punches. Yep, yeah, exactly. He's got that leg just to swing it. Um, no, it does make sense. I, I think you'll you'll now, you know, Vito Caruso now kind of come in and, and really get a fair shot to – um, you know, win this job and hopefully have success. I mean, Kyle Marsh did have a really good year this past year, was Mr. Consistent at least early. I know later in the season struggled a little bit more and some of those misses started to come out. But Wisconsin special teams needs to be buttoned up and better regardless. So I know we've said it on the podcast before, we don't really care who's kicking it. If it's going through the uprights, that's great, and hopefully uh, they can do that. But certainly wish Kyle Marsh uh, the best, and, and hopefully he can go on and pursue. Uh, I know he's going to try and pursue the, the NFL, and whatever the, the next step in his career takes him, uh, we hope he has a tremendous amount of success with that. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, I think that wraps up another episode of the podcast. As always, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with you later in the week to talk some more basketball and anything else that breaks. As always, on Wisconsin.